1: relax. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clausen. I'm Will Anderson. Hello and thank you for watching. And you turn your back for two weeks. You think you can take mm. two weeks off and everything will be fine. And you come back and everything's going on to hell. I mean, look, I know things were kind of going to hell when we took our break, but mm. it feels like in that two-week period that Tofop was gone, everything just accelerated. Everything just got heaps worse. Imagine if we found out that Tofop was the glue, like...
0: No matter how bad a shape the world was currently in, the thing that was actually stopping it from being a hell of a lot worse was the fact that we kept doing this podcast. And now we are trapped in this like, we're essentially, there's a leaking boat and we are the equivalent of the kid with the bucket who isn't, the boat is still sinking. But we are, through our entertainment here at the Tofop Entertainment Network, are managing to get a little bit of water out of the bottom
1: of the boat and entertain people. We're like the band on the Titanic. We're just talking shit while the planet drowns. Well, it's kind of like we always make that Bill and Ted comparison. Like, what if this was the podcast Mm. that, you know, uh, saved the world? But rather than it's saving the world it is a preventative yeah. measure this is the podcast that stops the world from falling apart not to say there's world peace or people even getting along I mean the internet's still a sewer <laughs> but this podcast is just the the finger in the in the dike that's holding everything from f- just exploding I mean it's a very different fingering the dike
0: conversation than we would have had 11 years ago <laughs> yeah. when we started doing this podcast started the new episodes work your way back and stop when you feel uncomfortable but I I, I think that Maybe, if I'm going to be a bit brave and bold here, maybe okay. the problems that are facing the world are bigger
1: than related to just this podcast. No, I think that's a bold proclamation. Well, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the things the, the world is is, uh, is not caught up in the mystery of, of the the the, de- the life and the death of the biggest horse in all of Norway who turns out a lot of people have messages isn't really even he may have been the biggest horse in all of Norway, but there are much bigger horses in the world it seems every week there's a new article about a giant horse that gets sent to us
0: well I was not aware of how many big horses there were in the world until like we talked about the biggest horse in all of Norway. All I would say is all these giant horses were invisible to me, which seems impossible for horses of that size. For yeah. me not to be aware that there were dinosaur-like horses just roaming countries all over the planet. Because like, were you aware of big
1: horses before we started talking no. about the biggest horse in all of Norway? I, I would have thought like a Clydesdale. Like that was the closest, you know, you'd see a Clydesdale. go, I mean, okay, you know, That's take, the biggest horse in the world. There, can yeah. no, there cannot be any bigger horse or it's an elephant. I'd see a Clydesdale taking tourists around Botanic Gardens in Melbourne mm. and be like, well, that's surely. I mean, to pull tourists in a cart, it's got to be the biggest horse going around but the thing that I'm sort of has baffled me with all these you know links have been getting sent to these giant horses is why aren't these horses just taken over like they're enormous these horses like they're all getting led around by these puny little furless little skin apes and they're not just like kicking the shit out of us. why have they allowed themselves to be subjugated. We rely on them. I mean, in the development of human history, we've relied on horses so much. Like they led us to industrialization. At some point, these horses have just got to go, what the fuck are we doing? We are like eight times the size of these little things. Have you? I kicked one the other day. Its head came clean off. What are we doing? Letting them ride on that, what, for hay and sugar? Are we that cheap? We've been bought out by hay and sugar. Maybe it's it's the opposite of that because there was a point where horses were
0: as you said, almost like top of the food chain, at least when it comes to transport and industry and those sort of things. Like horsepower, literally the term horsepower comes from the idea that our industrialization was driven by us harnessing the power of horses. Maybe horses are like... That was a shit time for us. Yeah. We were constantly dragging shit around, being ridden everywhere. Like, it was a real shit time to be a horse. Maybe horses are wrapped at the car and engines and those sort of things come along. And now they're pretty much like Pony Club and,
1: you know, horse racing. And they're just doing more fun shit, I think. But at some point, there had to be the first man to ride a horse, right? Like, there would have been Wild Brumbies or whatever they are. I don't know what the uh, genealogy of, of horses are, what they evolved from. Like, were they. Prehistoric horses roaming around. I'm gonna Google first horse in the world and see
0: what comes up. Let's find out when the first horse came along. I love that before we started doing this there was a brief conversation about do you have anything to talk about? And I like I would like, I think we'll find something. I'm gonna find out when the first horse, evolution of the horse. Here we yes, go. Here we go.
1: Perfect.
0: All right. So, the evolution of the horse, this is according to uh, Wikipedia, the place we go to for all the finest information about everything in the world. So, the evolution of the horse, a mammal of the family Equidae, occurred over a geologically time scale. Oh, okay. Right. So, how long, according to Wikipedia, how many years is the
1: the evolution of the horse? Uh, uh, 200,000 years. Okay. Higher. 300,000 years. I mean, much higher. A million years. Higher. What? At uh, 5 million years. Higher. 300 million years. <laughs> <laughs>
0: 50 million years, according is, to Wikipedia.
1: Is that right? The first horse was, was around 50 million. Were, I, I guess that makes sense, does it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. But uh, apparently, that seems uh, a long time ago, <laughs> <laughs> there horses. What were they doing? 50 was well, there even like a planet 50 million years ago like what were they were they like living in volcanoes or something
0: so okay so 50 million years ago horses started out i'm gonna ask you charlie did horses okay. start out smaller or bigger than horses currently are now
1: oh it's a trick question right i think they'd have to have start, started out smaller they started out smaller like everything
0: Okay, you're absolutely right. So they okay. were small;
1: they were dog-sized. Apparently, the oh original horses were the size. <laughs> <laughs> I want a dog-sized horse. This is the Jurassic Park future I want to live in. Just get that mosquito and amber, and find me a dog-sized horse. <laughs> um, so
0: they were small, dog-sized, forest-dwelling Eohippus into the modern horse. Okay, so that's what they started at, and then they came became the modern horse. Okay. Um, Paleo zoologists have been able to piece together a more complete outline of the evolutionary lineage of the modern horse than of any other animal. So we can trace them back okay. further than any other animal on the planet. It's
1: because everyone loves horses. Like this is the thing. They are apart from dogs, you'd say that horses are the mo- second most popular animal to humans or would cats be there? What would you if you had to rank the top 3 animals to humans? What would they be? Uh, So domestic, like things that can be pet animals or just because like like, we're ruling out pandas and like penguins and stuff like that. Yeah, no, no. Like just domestic animals. Like, I mean, man's best friend, right? it has got that reputation for a reason. It's got to be dogs number one. Yeah, dogs number one, cats number two. See, I would say maybe horses number two. I just think cats are more ubiquitous, right? Like, well, yeah, I guess so. But that's because they probably have bigger litters and stuff like that. But I think in terms of affection for an animal, don't you think there's more affection for horses? Horses are written about in literature and immortalized in statues. And You know what? You might be right, actually, because like horses can be war heroes and stuff. Like, 100%. It's rare that like a cat, you see a statue of a cat that was a Never. war hero. Apart from ancient Egypt... Name me one cat that's been celebrated in, like, art or literature. Um, no, this, isn't there's Garfin. been lots of cats that have been celebrated, like Fritz the Cat from the famous cartoon porno. <laughs> Anything in the last, like, all right, I mean, not discounting the last 200 years and ancient Egypt, give me another, like, world-famous cat. Um, Felix the Cat? <laughs> no! <laughs> I, Mike, stop it. Mike St. Garfield, I already mentioned him, in the Cheshire Cat, that doesn't count. I said older than 200 years ago. I don't know when Alice in Wonderland was written, but Cheshire Cat doesn't count either.
0: Well, I mean, I don't know any references from that long ago, though. Okay, I've gone to the Britannica page. I'm going to find out about the evolution of the horse. Um, okay. So they agree, Brita- uh, Encyclopedia Britannica agree. They say the evolutionary lineage of the horse is among the best documented in all of paleontology. Um. So they say it lasted from fifty-six million to thirty-three point nine million years ago. So it's in that window, I guess. Wow. Um, so during the early Eocene, there appeared the first ancestral horse, a hoofed browsing mammal, designated correctly as. Well, oh, I won't. I won't say that, but um, the dawn horse. Something in
1: Latin. They called it basically the dawn yep. horse. Oh wow! Great name for a metal band, oh, Dawn Horse. Absolutely horse.
0: Um, it had an arched back and raised hindquarters. Oh, sounds sexy. <laughs> arched back and, <laughs> <laughs> and Say it's raised hind <laughs> Sounds like little Nas. Yeah, you like to be, you like to be whipped, don't you, your horse? Your beautiful, beautiful arched back, big butted horse. <laughs> <laughs> Baby got back. You know what I'm saying? So Travis got back. The legs ended in padded feet Oh, we, yeah. <laughs> with, <laughs> with four functional hooves on each of the forefeet and three on each of the hind feet.
1: Right. Okay. So it had hooves and but pads underneath the hooves. Yeah. That's a um, bit of like bloody pick a lane, right? You either want the hard kind of turf gripping hoof or you want the soft... Rock gripping pads, right? And-
0: well, I mean, but that's what horses did at some stage. They picked a lane. Clearly the evolution of the horse has been them picking a lane, but early on they were jack of all trades, masters of none.
1: Oh, so do you reckon the hoof then in that early, in the dawn horse, so it's got the three pads mm. and then the hoof around it. So it's almost like one one giant nail. Mm. It's, it's for protection, right?
0: I love that you're asking me details that I could not I I didn't even know horses were this old until 35 (laughs) seconds ago but yeah sure ask me follow-up questions that aren't written down in front of me the skull lacked the large flexible muzzle of the modern horse and the size and shape of the cranium indicate that the brain was far smaller and less complex than of today's horses
1: Hey, while Will's reading podcast, Mark, if you can try and find a picture of the Dawn horse, I'd love to see what this monster looks like. (laughs) I mean, it does not look, I've
0: got a couple of like drawings here, obviously, um, of what they think it might look like. And it is, you would recognize it as being a horse. Really? Yeah. Um, All right, here we go. The teeth differed significantly from the modern equines being adapted to a fairly fairly general browser's diet. Okay. What does that mean? Uh, well, it was just living in the forest and like grazing, basically.
1: Right. So it's it's always been a herbivore. Then, mm, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at it. I don't know that I would immediately think that's a horse. It kind of looks like a Tasmanian tiger with a right. horse's with hoofs. <laughs> Tasmanian tiger with hoofs. Don't you reckon? I mean,
0: yes. Also, I guess I guess if you were tossing up between whether it was a horse and a
1: Tasmanian tiger with hoofs, the jury would still be out based on that image. <laughs> And I've got to say, that sexy description of the raised hindquarters and the arched back, it doesn't look that sexy now that I'm looking at it. It looks quite squat and unattractive. <laughs> so, so you've decided that you would not fuck this 50-million-year-old horse? <laughs> no, I'm actually going to shame it. I'm going to shame the horse. Um,
0: here we go. What do we got here? The line leading to the modern horse exhibits the following evolutionary trends. Increase in size, okay. we've covered that. Reduction yep. in the number of hooves, we've covered that. Loss of the foot pads, we've covered that. Lengthening of the legs, fusion of the independent bones of the lower legs, elongation okay. of the muzzle, increase yep. in the size and complexity of the brain, and the development
1: of the crested high crown teeth suited to grazing. Right. So obviously they moved into kind of more grassy areas, out of the forest into kind of grazing, mm. like grassed areas.
0: Yeah. There you go. All right. That's the history of
1: the horse. Yeah. No, no. I, well, tell me about the first man to ride a horse. Oh. How did that happen? Yeah. like How are they domesticated? Because I know about dogs. I know it's all about like wolves would come and hang out around the campfire and cavemen would throw them bits of meat. And then this little tete-a-tete kind of quid pro quo relationship was formed. It's like, we'll give you meat and you keep bears away. And that's how... Dogs became our best friends. Okay, so How so this
0: relationship start? I've gone to answers.com, which is always the yes. least reliable place to find answers <laughs> yeah. about these sort of things in my experience. But let's run through what answers.com says first. Who was the first person to ride a horse? Uh, we have two answers that have been supplied. They are not the same uh, person. So uh, okay. Prophet Ishmael is considered okay. the first person to ride a horse in Islamic culture. However, the first person to truly ride a horse is lost to time, though it is thought that it was likely a young adult or even a child. Why a child, I wonder? Um, Maybe because they were lighter and, you know, like jockeys, like jockeys these days. (laughs) We've got to put someone little on first. We can't put the biggest bloke on these, because the horses were tiny back then. So you can't put a fully
1: grown person on one of these tiny horses. I mean, I'm asking the wrong question, really. It's not like, what was the first horse? It was, mm. who was the first jockey? <laughs> is really the question. Uh, the other answer is, the
0: first person to ride a horse was Wee yeah. in the Stone Age times. It is said that he was looking after his horse, Rime, when wolves attacked. Oog jumped on him and rode him. They left the wolf alone with other horses of other owners.
1: I mean, it's a kind of the equivalent... but hang on so the horse is already there like it's is it is it is this a domesticated like grazing animal that they're using for milk or farming or something and then he jumps on it to make a getaway or is it a wild horse that he sees and just jumps on the back of to get out of there so i imagine they would it would have been a two-step process you domesticate the horse at some point for some kind of reason maybe it's to you know plow land or something and then someone gets a smart idea it's like hang on They don't just pull things for us. We can get on them and we don't have to bloody walk. Okay, you know what? I've actually found something
0: that might answer some of these questions. Uh, Reuters, the international news agency, their science and space publication in 2009, wrote the uh, following article. Horses first ridden and milked five and a half thousand years ago. Uh, Wow. Horses were first domesticated on the plains of northern Kazakhstan, some five and a half thousand years ago. A thousand years earlier than thought by people who rode them and drank their milk, researchers said on Thursday. Taming horses changed human history, influencing everything from transport to agriculture to warfare. But experts have struggled to pinpoint when and where it first happened. Now archaeologists think they have the answer after finding the world's oldest horse farm among the Kazakh people of the ancient bowtie culture. Remains of bones, teeth, and shards of pottery used to store mares' milk all indicate horses were selectively bred and exploited for domestic use east of the Ural Mountains around 2,000 years before they are known to be used in Europe. Um, Once you have horse riding, says Alan Ottram from Britain's University of Exeter, Uh, in the journal science so reputable this was published in science um once you have horse riding you've got much greater transport and trade capability as well as potential advantages in warfare if it was happening this early you've got to think about those forces for social and economic change happening earlier too and it's possible
1: there are yet earlier sites we haven't found so do you reckon it was a case of so they've domesticated a few, like, beasts of burden, right? Mm. You've got your cows and let's just, you know, we'll, we'll keep it to, like, a uh, you know, the European or the Asian continent. Mm. Keep camels out of the equation, you know. So you've got these, you've got your cows, you've got your your horses. Ox. At one point. What? Ox. You've got an ox. At one point, you've just got to go, all right, I need to ride one of these things. <laughs> like, do you reckon there was some dude? Is it a bit like... Like some, would have been one farmer who just picked the wrong horse. Like, he, or he picked a cow. Like, everyone would have been saying, have you seen, have you seen Olaf? He's riding a bloody cow. <laughs> like, can you believe it? And he's insisting, he's too proud to say he has got it wrong. He's insisting on riding that cow all over town. I mean, I guess you're right. Early on, there would have been some
0: people, much like a sort of, yeah, you know, VHS and Beta Max. VHS Beta right? <laughs> there, was,
1: there was two. Some guy just. I've, I've committed to this. All my accessories are bovine related. I'm not going to go buy it and go buy a new saddle and new reins and stuff for a horse. I've committed to the cow, and I'm going to ride the cow. But and
0: I'm happy with it. In that reverse, position. also, there were people milking these horses and drinking their milk. The person who's got the cow has won in that situation. If you're in it for the milk, the cow guy's
1: won. If you're in it for the ride. The horse guy is one I mean that argument About beta versus VHS yeah. Beta owners would always Take the sort of like High It's superior technology round and be like Superior technology To better picture mm. quality And stuff So imagine if There was some farmer 5,000 years ago And saying well the, the cow is actually A much more comfortable ride And the quality of the milk If I would need to stop And have a drink It's actually a much more Delicious and nutritious milk I mean people have Cow
0: seat car covers I had some on my first marina <laughs>
1: It makes sense. But then you would have had people like, you know, I don't know how when capitalism was invented, but you would have had a whole bunch of like animal wholesalers going, shit, people are all into riding animals. What other models can we bring out? You know, so people are trying to sell like greyhounds and, and, and Great Danes. And hey, have you strapped two chickens to your feet? Well, <laughs> it's the earliest form of roller. I mean, people you obviously play. have harnessed dogs like dog
0: sleds and stuff are like you know used a lot in like you know snow areas when I was in Alaska I was offered a ride on a dog sled like to be pulled by some dogs and I just I didn't know how yeah the, the big thing you get told is no no they love it and it's really ethical and you know the the know, yeah, the trainers love them more and but there was just a part of me that was like I just don't know how I feel about the idea of sitting on a sled and being dragged around by dogs
1: but it's interesting isn't it like that the idea of riding an animal... Because I imagine at the start, the horses weren't into it. Like, a horse has to get broken in, like any kind of, like, yeah. animal. But it's it's amazing that it didn't sort of branch out into more and more animals. Like, obviously, elephants and camels and that kind of stuff. But imagine being a dude rocking up, you know, like the equivalent of The Fast and the Furious, but 5,000 years ago. It's a It's some kind of, like, you know animal race and everyone turns up on their horse or their camel or whatever and you rock up on a fucking grizzly bear like that would be the equivalent of pulling in on a hummer just this like badass grizzly bear what you're saying is absolutely
0: correct in that like you can't just immediately jump on a horse and ride it even a domesticated horse a horse that has been bred for the purposes of being able to be ridden still needs to be trained for people to ride it so the first person who rides a horse like the first person who milks a horse You can just walk up to a horse and give it a crack, right? Like, I mean, they might not like it, but you can do it. Whereas the idea of like riding a horse, there is a lot of failure inbuilt. There's got to be a few people who died in the pursuit that someday somebody would be able to ride a horse.
1: 100%. I mean, even like in current day where we know a lot about horse riding and stuff, it's still very difficult to do. I mean, I worked on a TV show that was all about riding horses and I think the producers let me ride a horse for the first couple of weeks and then we're like yeah you know what we're gonna give you a motorbike (laughs) we think you're gonna be better on a motorbike because I am not uh, a natural uh I'm like you know what I'm actually okay on a horse but it was going to be a a longer learning curve and I remember there was one storyline we did where my character was meant to be a a a jackaroo when I started a, a breeding program for these horses and um they'd brought in these horses like you know what do you call them like stunt horses i guess for this scene in which uh uh uh, two stallions are are either side of this paddock and we bring in a mare on hate and the stallions go crazy and they bust loose and we have to go out and you know it's this big action scene and we protect people and we we, we wrangle the stallions back into their pens and blah 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 so when I read the script I was like okay cool so they're going to get these like you know TV horses that are all really well trained and stuff turned up on the day no no they had two stallions and a mare on heat and I was sort of saying to the director, hey, look, I'm not the most confident person around horses. I haven't really grown up with them and stuff. I can I can ride one okay, but I'm not like a horse guy. He's like, it's fine. It's fine. We've got the stunt guys who are going to come in. They're going to do all the hairy stuff. We just need you to go over to the mare's pen, open the gate, lead her out. She's going to buck and pull away. Oh, no. Just, I had to go to the stallion. One of the stallions I had to lead the stallion out. He was going to buck and pull away. I was meant to let go of the rope and then and I'd call cut. And so... I'm walking up to this pen and this stallion is like digging the dirt with his hoofs and snorting and like really, really riled up. And I'm like, are you sure this is okay? And everyone's like giving me the thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. They do makeup checks. They roll up, they call action. I do my line. I walk up and I'm shitting myself. Like I'm just like complete cold sweat. And I go into this pen and this horse is like, you know, rearing and stuff. And so the horse wrangler had given me a bit of a tutorial beforehand. He said, you've got to go up, you've got to grab it by the bridle and you yank down hard on the bridle and you keep pressure on it. Because the ho- you bring the horse down to your eye level and so it's like a dominance thing and when you lead it out, it's going to try and pull away. And even though you're smaller, if you just keep pressure on the bridle and keep it slay, it's like in jiu-jitsu, you control the neck, you control the horse.
0: But I also like, love when that that's like a jujitsu jitsu mat they're telling you how to do jiu-jitsu. They run you sure. through it like you're capable of A, understanding anything <laughs> they're saying to you or B, being able to do any of those things in a situation where there's a massive fucking horse fighting against you. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I get this horse and I, I've got it by the bridle and, and I'm leading it out. And as soon as I get it out into the paddock and it sees the mare, it just goes crazy. Then the other stallion, this is not scripted part, it actually just busts out of the other pen and they charge towards each other. And I am hanging on to this rope, getting like flung about and everyone's like screaming, let go, let go. And I get like rope burn, it gets yanked away. And then... The stunt coordinators are like, everyone, get into the middle of the paddock. And so we all, like the camera crew, the makeup artists, we all have to like huddle in the middle of the paddock while these two fucking horses, these two stallions are fighting each other, like running around, bucking, headbutting each other. And it takes like, it takes, you know, like five five or six minutes for the horse wranglers to come out. They're having to get these horses under control. Everything sort of calms down and I'm sitting there just like covered in sweat, you know, my hands have got rope burn. And the first lady's is like, All right, we're gonna roll up for take two, and I'm like, Are you fucking Take two. We went for take two. And I remember cause I had a radio mic on at the time and one of the actresses came over to just check on me. She's like, Yeah, you yeah, okay, that was pretty hairy And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I don't know what they expect me to do. It's a fucking like horse. It's going crazy, and then I realize my like my my radio mic on. I just look over to the video village where the director is, and he just looks up and just gives me the thumbs up. Like... Meanwhile, we had like stunt doubles. Like I had a stunt man dressed exactly like me, look exactly like me from behind, just waiting to to go. I'm like no, no, no. Just let's send that the actor into the pen to get champled by the horse. The stuntman's
0: like, I'm not going into there. That's a crazy horse on hey, hate. The, what the fuck are you talking about? I... So we have horses at our house. They are not our horses, but we have two Living horses. Living in your house. That's what people You're living in our lives. house. Backpackers. <laughs> <laughs> Got stuck here with COVID. They're paying rent. Now, um, we have a couple of um, horses that live in a stable on, on our property and they're like adjusted horses. They belong to other people, but they live with us. And um, I don't really feed them much, but you know they're there and I say hello to them every now and again. I'm not particularly a horse person either. But the other day, the vet had to come around to the house because they have to get, like, regular checkups. They're beautiful racing horses, Arabian racing horses. The woman who owns Mm. them, like, she's actually a a competitor in these incredible long-distance horse riding events. She's very good, and um, uh, they love these horses. They're very well, like, looked after. And um, so the vet comes out to do their teeth. But what I realise is, because I don't think your dad ever had to do this in his dentistry world, (laughs) because... The vet also had to clean their penis. So you come out what? and it's a real... So that was the two things that the vet had to do was clean their teeth and then clean their dick. Why is that part of the same service though? I don't <laughs> well, Because I guess vets do all of it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, if if you're a human and you had a bit of unnecessary smegma caught, you wouldn't pop in your dentist and go, well, you've got me
1: under the gas. <laughs> Could you... Could you give that a clean out as well? I mean, I guess it is a bit like, I mean, the vet is a GP. It is like a general right. practitioner. It's not like they yeah. brought in the horse dentist and he yeah. just cleaned his penis. <laughs> but it is. But is that like, is that de rigue? So if you get your teeth checked, I'll also check your horse's penis. <laughs> it might be like, you know, like
0: changing your fire alarms every year. You've got to have a specific date that you know how to do it. Maybe it's like dentist appointment and dick appointment, the double D. The old dentist and dick. The two for one. While you're here. Or maybe it's a while you're here. Maybe you can't call up the vet and say, Look, could you please come around and clean out my horse's penis? You've got to go. I think I want you to check his teeth. And then once they're there checking the teeth, you're like, Look, I don't I don't I don't mean to ask, but seeing you've got the gloves on anyway,
1: could you please clean my horse's penis as well? It is it is I mean look it's a noble profession being a vet but there are certain things I've never really considered <laughs> like the fact that occasionally you're gonna have to clean a horse's dick which I mean you know it's, it's they need to and but I mean what were they doing before vets came along were they just walking around with dirty dicks like surely there's some <laughs> evolutionary uh, cleaning apparatus like they rub it against a tree or something like that I mean uh, come I, on
0: I mean, I guess that previously they probably had a way of sorting it out themselves, I guess. But they've become domesticated. (laughs) Is that why horses evolved to have longer snouts? It's (laughs) like, we need need to know how to reach it, mate. We've been hurting our
1: necks, trying to get down there, give it a good clean.
0: You know, that horse there, not just a champion racehorse, but got a lot of the winnings, spent it on having two of its ribs removed so it could clean its own dick. Did you see it happen? Did you see the cleaning happen? I saw video evidence of it happening, but I did not go... I didn't... There was part of me, to be honest, that would have had a curiosity in seeing it happening, but I don't think it would have reflected well on me if I suddenly wandered down into the paddock for the first time in six months to have a closer look at the horses (laughs) because I'd heard there
1: was a dick cleaning going on. Yeah, have you seen this guy? He only ever comes down to the paddock every six months when it's bloody dick cleaning day. He brings, his ph- brings his phone out, takes plenty, of, gets plenty of shots. I he asked me to stand aside last time so he could get a close up. Went to the macro lens.
0: He's joined TikTok. He only updates it once
1: every six months. Yeah, it's it, it, it's that's uh, that's something that I think if uh, we've talked about like being squeamish and. You know, my father, he clearly had had to get over that to become a dentist. But I mean, that kind of stuff. I don't know, man. Like, I, 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 do you think you could? Is there a world in which you could have been a doctor or a vet where you could look at abscesses and boils and shit like that with a strong stomach, or does it? Is it? Do you think you? I mean, would you? Could you imagine you could de- be desensitized to it, or is it just too much? I think.
0: If I honestly, like, I think I adapt to circumstances reasonably well. Okay.
1: And you grew up on a farm, so you were around a lot of kind of... I've seen a lot of of it, yeah. You've seen a lot of stuff. You've seen, like, horses or cows being born and stuff, I imagine. Uh,
0: Yeah, being born and die and, you know, having my dad to have his hand up the back of a a cow, (laughs) like a magician, you know, pulling out another cow. Like, I had to see a lot of that. I had to help with that sort of stuff. You know, so yes. You'd be all right. You'd be alright at it. Yeah, I think I probably would be alright. I think that I would adapt. I wouldn't naturally go to it. It's not stuff that I enjoy in any way sort of in my modern life, okay. but I think that right. I would adapt.
1: Okay. So in the post-apocalyptic world, yeah. you know, we've somehow managed to survive and we need to find new roles. There's no no one wants any comedy. No one wants any entertainment anymore. It's literally just about survival and we have to appoint point. So at you're about- talking
0: about these times, the times we're currently living in, you mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. We have to appoint uh, out of our group, all of our friends who are actually medically trained and doctors, they're all gone. So we appoint you as the medic. There's enough books left behind that you can study up on it. How well do you think you would go if we said, look, man, just learn the basics, CPR, all that kind of stuff. But occasionally you're gonna to have to remove like, you know, rotten teeth and, 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 and treat wounds. And do you reckon you could give it a crack? Are you familiar with the TV show Dr. Death?
0: Do you know what Dr. Uh, Death is? I'm
1: familiar with it, but I, I haven't watched it, no.
0: So it's based on a true story about an American surgeon. If you are ever worried about getting surgery, please do not watch this show. It stars <laughs> Pacey, uh, Joshua Jackson. Joshua Jackson. As the uh, Dr. Death from the title of it. It was based on this really super popular podcast. It's a true crime story about this doctor who botched... Um, thirty-four operations or something like that, and they suggest that he was perhaps doing it on purpose. And I won't give away the details of it because it's really, it's Pacey is great, by the way, because he has to play him at all different ages of his life, and he's not very good, enough good. for you
1: to have the respect to address him by his real name.
0: <laughs> but he, like, he'll always be Pacey to me. But he is great. um Alec Baldwin's in it. Uh, Christian Slater. Plays this doctor that feels like his character from Heather's grew up to be a surgeon.
1: Right.
0: Like, just wisecracking. Like, even says Season's greetings at some stage. Like, greetings the character. And
1: salutations.
0: <laughs> um, it's good. It's a really entertaining show, but it is about this guy who managed to do all these because the medical system is set up to sort of cover up for people doing. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know if my hand would be particularly steady. I don't know if I would trust myself necessarily to do like delicate operations and things like that. But could I learn like could I study the science behind it and like be around it? Yeah,
1: probably. Probably. And you'd have this and and you'd have the stomach for it. Like if you know, so we're hiking across the wasteland mm. and one of us like falls and hits some rocks and the bone pops through the leg and you need to you know, put a splint on it and stuff, could you do that without passing out? Yeah, I think that I could. I'd like to think that I could. Can you watch footy injuries, like when someone wrenches their knee or pops a bone? You know, like when Conor I McManus mean, I don't leave. like it. Like, I, no. I, I don't mean any of this to suggest that I
0: like this or that I don't flinch when I see those sort of things or whatever. But do I think that I could get over that if there was some, you know, kind of broader narrative where I had to adapt to it? Yes, I think I could. In the same way as I hate camping because I don't have to go camping, but if we got to a point where I had to live outdoors in a tent, I'd be fine. I'd adapt to living outdoors in a fucking tent. I just don't like to do it now because
1: I have better options. I <laughs> hey, see. I think maybe. I think maybe I'd be alright. I I I I can't watch. Like injuries. I hate in the footy and stuff when they do slow mo replays of someone dislocating their shoulder or their knee popping out or like that Conor McGregor thing. I I saw it once and it like gave me chills. But I think it's, I think it's partly because I get too, like actors tend to be empathetic. Like you tend to go through, your your imagination gets sparked and you tend to go through, well, what would it be like if I felt my, you know, my, my shin pop through my, the, the front of my leg? But I do also think that, um, it's just a case of once you're exposed to it, it's not as bad as you thought. Like for instance, prior to Gemma giving birth, like I, I couldn't really watch childbirth scenes in movies. I'd find them too distressing. Like the idea of seeing someone in excruciating pain and crying out and sweating and, you know, the high stakes nature of a, a, you know, a new life being brought into the world. I found like really anxiety inducing. And I, I remember seeing a, a therapist beforehand and, saying hint to him about you know impending fatherhood like I think the the thing that's concerning me the most is you know labor like I just I just don't know how I'm going to go seeing someone I love in distress and the you know the potential for all these things to go wrong and and he was like yeah but but what is your experience of childbirth? Like, you know, tell me what you think it's going to be. And so I was like, oh, you know, that's the crying and the screaming and the fluid. And, and he was like, is, is this movies you're talking about? Is this like television? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, but that's dramatization. It's literally in, in, the, in the word drama. They're showing you the most extreme example because it's exciting. There's, you know, sometimes childbirth can be really like mundane and kind of run of the mill. And and yeah, but you, he's like, that's just acting, that's just pretending. And you're like, well, I am an
0: actor and once a horse on heat nearly killed me. So I think you don't know anything about acting. It is very dangerous and very confronting.
1: So I think if it happened in front of me, like if we were hiking across the wasteland and you fell and your, your leg broke in half and someone had to splint your leg, I could probably do it. And I do, in, in stressful situations, I, too, I do tend to get quite, calm i don't know if it's like i it's like a survival thing myself like i tend to be the rational one when things are going to shit but then i would probably puke afterwards i'd probably get your your legs splintered get you back up on your feet and then spew what i would have to learn how to do is concentrate better i think
0: right if i was going to do anything like that my mind tends to wander like i will get distracted by something forget that i was doing like you know so i don't think that's a very specifically good skill for somebody who's like you know doing surgery or looking after people you have to pay attention to detail I would have to really train myself to I guess in this post apocalyptic yeah there's no podcast for me to listen to or anything so maybe I would be better at concentrating on what was going on
1: yeah it's I wonder if any of the doctors who listen to this show if any of them were like me before they got into medicine like you know they had apprehension about like you know they're fascinated and they wanted to help people but they knew that that was something that they had to get over in the same way that i know a lot of actors and you probably know a lot of comedians who are actually quite shy and suffer from stage fright and the process of actually getting into performance is a way of them to overcome you know that particular thing it's a challenge for them to overcome i wonder if that's the same in the medical profession where it's like i actually am a bit grossed out by diseased Mm dicks and stuff i don't want to hear that about like my you know what i
0: I went into vet science not because i love animals i just had a fear of dirty dicks i couldn't go to the theater restaurant dirty dicks like it was my absolute nightmare and i just thought i had to confront that you know if you fear something you've got to go towards it that's how you get over it um there is a scene uh, this is a a tiny little bit of a spoiler so if people don't want to be spoiled just skip ahead a couple of minutes on on this for uh dr death but at one stage he ends up operating on his best friend and absolutely fucks it up right and the reason he fucks it up was he and his best friend were up all night the night before the operation doing cocaine together and there is part of me that is like well absolutely 100% That is on him, the surgeon, he shouldn't be doing cocaine all night, the night before he's going to do surgery. But there's a little bit of me that, without wanting to victim blame, is also like, dude, you were the guy doing cocaine with him. You you were the guy at any stage who could have gone, hang on, you're operating on me tomorrow. Let's not do any more cocaine.
1: Hang on, so he... Right, okay, so it wasn't an emergency situation where there was no one else who could do the surgery. No, 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 no. The friend knew he was going to get operated on. Yeah, that's entirely to <laughs> you fucking idiot. Like, you can't... Go out drinking with your limo driver or your taxi driver. You can't buy your Uber driver like a six-pack and then complain when he smashes into a fucking lamppost. Right.
0: You've got to wear at least part of the blame in that situation. That's what I thought as well. I'm like, you're both doing bad, but if someone was operating on me, the one thing that I can do to make sure, I can't guarantee that they're not going to do cocaine, but one of the ways that I could stop them
1: doing cocaine is staying up with them doing cocaine. (laughs) is there a point in the discuss like while they're doing coke the 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 guy says you know what well maybe we should ease up like big day tomorrow (laughs) no (laughs)
0: No.
1: i know uh well i don't i I know a guy and i know of a guy i've met him um, a couple of times he uh i think he's in prison now he's a disgraced uh doctor who um i met him a couple of times through friends and he's one of those people where i met you know, you hear about some doctors having a god complex. Yeah, like this dude, he was that. He was one of the most arrogant people I'd ever met in my life, and really unpleasant just just an unple- just a generally unpleasant person.
0: Yeah, well, and, that's um, what this doctor death character is as well.
1: Very much that right.
0: whole cliche thinks he's the world's greatest surgeon, he's going to change everything, but he's just an unpleasant human being.
1: Yeah, well, well, this doctor, um, I hadn't really uh, heard about him or heard from him in a, in a while, and then. Someone was like, "Do you know, he's in jail, right? And I'm like, no, what happened? And he had performed surgery on, I think it was like a bikey's girlfriend. He was a cosmetic surgeon and he uh, was often out partying before surgery. And it sounds like a very similar situation where he botched a nose job or a boob job on a gangland dude's partner. And then that started a whole bunch of shit. And then he um, uh, was on the run for a bit. Um, he embezzled money and then, uh, yeah, he got, dis- not disbarred, what happens when you get you lose your medical license or whatever? Deregistered? And deregistered and um, sued for malpractice and is now in prison.
0: Yeah, it, like, uh, uh, here's what I was going to say about horses, by the way. Are horses oh, yeah. the only animal that compete in the Olympics? Is there any uh, other sport at the Olympics that has an animal involved
1: in it? Uh, yeah, I think there would be. I'm, I mean, what, what are there, well, how many animal sports are there? There's like dog, dog slaloms or whatever they're called. Dog, you know, the dog Olympics. <laughs> you know, when dogs run through, you know what I'm talking about. I don't know whatever. Dog show, dog show games. Um, there's falconeering. <laughs> and what other sports involve animals? Um, I mean, racing of all kinds, but. Uh, there's no horse racing in the Olympics, it's all equestrian, right?
0: Right, but that's still a lot of that's on the horses. The horses, like, you would argue it's probably even they should have the horse Olympics because horses yeah. can race. Like, why don't we get the horses to do all the events that they have at the Olympics? That's good, an but, animal Olympics, oh, so not just horses. Now we're talking, so, yeah, like, so Who anything is the strongest. Who's the strongest animal? (laughs) Who's like the the quickest swimming animal? Like what animal can throw
1: like a javelin the furthest? How do you do it in an ethical way though? Where you're not forcing the animals again? Like, can you only pick animals that... Like this kind of shit. Like dolphins seem to, would seem like they'd be okay. Yeah, you don't make a like a swim. dolphin do the triathlon or something. Like, <laughs> no, no, dolphins no. <laughs> only compete in swimming events. <laughs> no, but like, I mean, like, like, there's certain animals that are okay with, they're semi domesticated or they're completely domesticated. Like, you can't, I don't think you can just capture some wild animal and make it run a race i think that that's cruel can we do it can we well we're not making them olympics.
0: run a race we're giving them the opportunity to compete in the olympics to find out which is the superior animal yeah. in every discipline no,
1: you know they're not gonna you can't convey the glory and honor of the olympics to an animal Will. Wait, think, this? imagine the opening ceremony like all the elephants coming in together then all like the rabbits how good's that Oh, hang on. Wouldn't but it, wouldn't they be representing their continents? Like, so you get animals from the African continent. The Australians have all the marsupials. No. I mean, if it's a climbing... If it's a climbing oh, actually, uh,
0: maybe you're right, actually. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. each country can only compete with their animals in the various yeah. events. So we're working yeah. out which country has the most superior... Okay, so who wins oh, that? Does, Afri- Does Africa win the Olympics if it's best animals? Or like Australia would still be good at the swimming. Like, there'd be lots of good... Swimming
1: events. The, but it depends. Oh, like, So we're saying it's going to break it down to like speed, strength, agility, right? That's what we're, that's basically what we're saying. Like right. who has the, the greatest diversity of those things? Um, but,
0: but I'm talking th- like the major events. So like what animal is going to be best at the sprints? Like what's the fastest animal in the world? A cheetah? cheetah. A cheetah. Is that in Africa? That's, that's an African animal, right? Right. So over a hundred meters would a cheetah be like, you know, see, imagine that the hundred meters at the Olympics. And it's like, it's not just like. Because, like, not every country is going to have a cheetah. You know, it's always good yeah. to have at least one cheetah, by the way, in the 100 metres in the Olympics. So, <laughs> quite famously on brand for the 100 metres. But, yeah, isn't that's a great event. And, like, then you've got, like, the marathon and stuff. Like, what animal is best at running for, like,
1: 42 kilometres? are in- oh, like... Probably like gazelles or something like that. Endurance animals, emus, ostriches. Oh, ostrich versus emu endurance event. Right. Who is the best of the big birds? That's what I want to know. <laughs> right? <laughs> the Animal yeah. Olympics. But the thing is, you've got elephants. You've got Indian elephants, mm. African ele- uh, elephants. Do they compete against each other in like the weightlifting yep. or something like that? Or they
0: like the discus? You know what I love the most about this as well is the idea that, of course, like the Olympics, they'll all have to travel to somewhere. So like if it's in Brisbane in 2032, yeah. like there's, there's going to be a whole lot of elephants and cheetahs and shit. Because then the conditions are also part of it, right? Because you could say this animal yeah. is particularly skilled in this event, but will they be able to adapt to completely different conditions to the country where they normally compete?
1: But also to, like there are, there are different kinds of strength events. Like you get weightlifting, mm. and an elephant is definitely going to win any strength event if it's like pushing or pulling because they're just big but what about if you combine like agility like a gorilla you imagine would have a you know a pretty good chance of, 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 of being like a one of the strongest animals going around wouldn't it is it all and would be able to
0: do like a clean and jerk style thing like weightlifting style you mean
1: yeah because I'm thinking like rhinos and elephants and hippos and stuff if it's just about bulk and pushing something then they're going to win but if you introduce like you say a clean and yeah. jerk type motion then the gorilla, yeah the
0: rhino might be able to lift it so up but they've also of- got to balance the bar on that horn and that's going to be incredibly difficult for a rhino to achieve <laughs> you would have thought yeah
1: Well, do we do we create brand new events tailored for the animals? So it's like rather than weightlifting, it's like No,
0: one hundred percent they have to do the exact same events that are at the human Olympics.
1: (laughs) Well, I think the gorilla's gonna win most of those. Well apart from the (laughs) check and field. But like all the weightlifting. The gorilla's
0: not gonna win the hundred meters and the gorilla's not gonna win the won't.
1: Like swimming, uh, you know. Well, not the swimming, but I think anything else like shot put discus, anything that like requires like you know, supposable thumbs, the gorilla, gorilla's going to win weightlifting, gorilla's going to win discus, gorilla's going to win javelin, gorilla's going to win high hurdles? No, who's winning the hurdles? A kangaroo, that's where buddy, kangaroo, that's where the marsupial coming. <laughs> Sally
0: Pearson, defending the hurdles, <laughs> buddy kangaroo. Yeah, high, what about high jump? What's the highest jumping animal? It'd be kangaroo again, right? I don't think so, would it? Oh, maybe like those gazelles, uh, the ones
1: that bound.
0: <laughs> I'm going to Google what's the highest jumping animal because that might be there. Uh, highest jumping animal in the world. Um, all right. Oh, here we go. Um, this, well, okay. So this is the 10 highest jumping animals in the world. So this would be okay. your sort of, um, you know, your finals. Uh, in 10th place, the hare. Yep. Um, uh, in 9th place, the red kangaroo. Oh, huh. Lower than I thought. In eighth place, the barrel, What's which is a, a sort
1: of like goat-like creature that lives in the Himalayas, it's embarrassing for um, Australia that the barrel jumps higher than the red kangaroo. Don't you think? That's humiliating. I mean, eighth,
0: eight sketchy in the finals. What were we at ninth? I oh, didn't even make the finals.
1: That's embarrassing. And we would have had all like all the talk leading up to the Olympics would have been the yeah. red kangaroo probably going to you know definitely going to compete for a medal.
0: Yeah, it's true. And we've been beaten by the the barrel. The clip springer, the what? What's that? Yeah, which is basically just a
1: barrel that lives somewhere else. Um, the grasshopper. Hang on, a grasshopper cannot jump. This is—is is this proportionate? There's no way a grasshopper is jumping higher than a kangaroo. You know what?
0: You're absolutely right. It is proportionate
1: now that a I go flea the is list. number one, isn't
0: it? A flea is number one. You're absolutely <laughs> right.
1: So, <laughs> okay. Um, well, that we're not having proportionate. It doesn't matter. Too bad fleas. Fleas and grasshoppers disqualified. No insects. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Well, the the clip springer
0: can jump ten times their height, which is pretty pretty big. Um, but I don't know. I reckon actually, like on if we're taking into account size,
1: I, the the Aussies might be back in the metal hunt. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, well, let's get to some mail. It's been a, it's been a little while since we've gone to the mailbag, and we've been on on break. Thank you to everyone who's been getting in touch, and thank you to all our uh, Patreon subscribers. I've seen we've had some more people signing up. Um, there's heaps of great bonus content at our Patreon site. There's uh, we do letters, uh, we do an analysis of the the Shrek soundtrack. We're always putting new stuff up there. Um, and we've also got a bunch of other great podcasts that you can find at tofop.com. Will does one called Philosophy? It's fantastic. It's our flagship podcast. Who's on this week, Will? Uh, incredible um, young Australian
0: comedian. Her name is Vic Azurps, Victoria Zerbst. And she, uh, most famously, people might know her work from SBS's The Feed. And she is one of the contact Tracy from the incredible uh, chaser sketch that went viral at the end of last year and she studied philosophy at university. So oh, shit. she brings a lot more expertise when it comes to talking about <laughs> philosophy insane. to the podcast than you I idiot. do. I'm really well out of my depth. I'm like, it's really just a pun on my name normally, but this is, we speak about a lot of actual proper philosophies wow. um, on this episode and she's super uh, interesting and entertaining. And um, yeah, if you were, if you're looking to, um, you know, see who is out there in the next generation of comedy doing really uh, brilliant things! I recommend you have a listen to
1: uh, this episode. Who was on Fofop this week? Uh, Fofop was Gregory. Barrett. Hang on. Well, that was last week, but I think that's this week as well. Well, that was last week, but we went here last week. And then um, uh, Jen Kirkman Kirkman. is on this week. Jen Kirkman. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's been two weeks off. So if you're a big Walk in the Room fan, definitely (laughs) go back and check out the Greg Barrett episode. It's great. I have not actually spoken to Greg in a couple of years. Last time I saw him was in LA. um, And he does not disappoint. And Jen Kirkman is on this week's episode of Faux Faux. Uh, also, while we're doing plugs, by the time people hear this, um, I have
0: hinted over the last sort of nine months that the fact that I have been working on a new project... That uh, new project is already is, is almost ready for us to be able to show to people, um, you know, COVID dependent. Uh, so by the time that you're hearing this, um, hopefully it has all been announced, but I'm not going to announce it on the podcast because it was meant to be announced a week ago and then COVID intervened and we had to delay it. So fingers crossed um, on Wednesday, but check my socials and um, I will be posting some details about a new project that I have coming up. And of
1: course, so. Two Guys, One Cup, our AFL adjacent podcast, new episodes go up that weekly we're barreling towards the finals where the AFL is trying to keep the the train on the tracks we're trying to keep our show on the tracks it's been a really enjoyable year the numbers this year have been fantastic sometimes like it's our highest uh we get the highest amount of downloads for our stupid football show which we basically was it last week where we did not talk about a game did not talk
0: one result (laughs) it is a very AFL adjacent podcast If, if the thought of it being about AFL is the thing putting you off from listening to it Let it not put you off too much. (laughs) There won't be heaps of stuff that you have to uh, sift through to get to the other nonsense. Um, We should also mention, if you like this show, we have not done a live show of this for a very long time, nearly four years. But at the end of the year in Melbourne, um, you know, everything, you know, being as things are, we are hoping to be doing a big live show as part of the great australian podcast festival uh tickets for that are on sale is at the palais theater which is a big old theater but w- the show is selling very well so if you want to get a ticket Now's um, the time. get on in and buy a uh, ticket
1: yeah there'll be uh, a link in the episode description uh for this episode uh and again i know i mentioned it but it's worth mentioning again if you want to support us patreon is the best way to do that the money you give at patreon goes across the entire network so if you like any of our shows it's a one-stop shop there's a Willosophy Patreon. There's a TOEFL patron but all the money goes into the network and while you're at the website if you want to send us a message you can there's a little form down the bottom of the page and you can be like matt who's written in to say to colin fop hi Charlie and will been a listener since episode three and have enjoyed the years of podcasts although i'm too scared to go back and listen to the early episodes in case i cringe on the things i used to laugh at mate if you think you're gonna cringe imagine being the people who said it yeah Exactly. Sitting at work. We've all changed. We've We've all, we've all, I like to think we've all grown over that time. Sitting at work and a random thought struck me out of nowhere. What would an edgy reboot of Skippy, the bush kangaroo, (laughs) be like? Rather than trying to figure it out myself, who better to ask than you? Well, that's very topical seeing we just talked about kangaroos. So if you're going to read, uh, Skippy, for those uh, maybe uh, overseas listeners, Skippy the Bush Kangaroo was like our lassie. It was a late 70s, early 80s. And I think it's maybe late 70s kind of family-friendly show about a helpful kangaroo that lived with a family and solved crime and shit. Is that right? Is that the good summation?
0: Yeah, correct. And so there already has been a reboot of Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. They did do a remake, an updated version of that. And the reason, Charlie, that mm. I know there was an updated version of of Skippy the Bush Kangaroo is that my house that I live in was the house that they used for the exterior shot in the reboot of Skippy the Bush Kangaroo.
1: Is that right? Yeah. No shit. I didn't know that. That's fucking huge news. <laughs> really? So it was, and there was no. They didn't actually shoot any episodes. Just they, it was like stock for an exterior I'm pretty sure it was
0: like my understanding of what I know about Uh this story is that it was like the, yeah, the, the kind of stock shot of the outside of the Skippy house. Like it was the main house in Skippy, the bush kangaroo, but not the original series, the, the gritty reboot.
1: All right. Okay. If you're going to do a gritty reboot, here's what I reckon you do is you've got to bring an environmental theme like Skippy, like Godzilla uh, is, a, you know, he, he's summoned by the elements being out of whack. The universe is out of whack. The environment's mm-hmm. out of whack. Skippy has come back. Or Skippy is like an idea, like Batman. He's a symbol. So Skippy comes yeah. back to right the wrongs that are happening in Australia. The Great Barrier Reef is dying. You know, they're fracking. It's going to be a gastric-led recovery. And Skippy has come back to fucking set the record straight. And maybe... Yeah, Dark Knight style. Yeah, Dark Like, th- it,
0: this is really... Like, you know, like it used to be about trying to, I used to try to help. Yeah, It used to be about like, you know, someone's fallen down a well, I'm going to go and get something. But yeah. like, you know what? We've got to stop people falling down wells. We've got to stop people. I've got to become something bigger. And like you said, Skippy isn't an actual kangaroo. It is just a mantle, like the phantom, I yes. guess, that gets yeah. passed down from, from Skippy, to to Skippy to Or like the
1: Dalai Lama, like a new
0: Skippy is born.
1: Or if you wanted to go a darker route, you maybe bring in some sort of indigenous Dreamtime mythology. And Skippy is a spirit, so it's not—it's—it's it's unclear whether or not Skippy is an actual kangaroo or whether he is the embodiment of like generations of mm. kangaroos. And he is an avenging spirit that comes in and like you know turns uh, 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 sabotages mining equipment and that kind of stuff. Takes out poachers. A bit like that scene in Crocodile Dundee with the...
0: Yeah. So, well, this is great because what two white guys should definitely do is just add random new characters to ancient indigenous cultures. I feel like this is a real good area for us to start. You know, your dream time's pretty cool, but what about if Skippy was in it? <laughs> we're like we're like Disney's bought some company and we're just adding our characters into their... Like,
1: uh, what if Mulan met Donald Duck? <laughs> this is from Vance. Uh, hey, guys. The frog that Charlie described recently that carries the young on its back. So we're talking about uh, my tripophobia and I described seeing a video of a frog in the Amazon that has these little pouches on its back um, that it carries its spawn in and how it, make, it makes me sick. So Vance says, I saw that in a science film when I was 12 or 13, Fucking Florida education system, man. The film showed the entire process and the frog looked like an empty Connect four board. By the time it was done. That is all right. That's enough to make me want to puke. The idea of its back being an open porous Connect 4 board, that is fucking disgusting. I've never forgotten it. I was a young man with the world at my feet and a whole lot of promise, and now when I live in a gated community called hell. <laughs> anyway, love the show. Carry on. Oh man that's disgusting question. Yeah. How do you feel about bubble wrap? Um, not great. I'm okay. I'm okay. Bubble wrap. Cause it's, it, it's, cause it's so translucent. It, it just, it doesn't look like anything, but Iona has a toy. That's like a rainbow butterfly that is, um, made out of rubber, like bubble wrap that you can just poke the, the, the buttons and it like, you know, pop it back and forth. And it grosses yep. me the fuck out. It's like a, it's like a blistered butterfly and it, it, it does, it makes my skin crawl. I don't like bubble on cheese either. If you like toasting cheese, it makes me feel sick. Um, there's an ad at the moment for Dettol, I think, where it's a kid, um, a, a balloon started appearing all over him to symbolize like germs and infection and it m- makes me want to puke every time I see <laughs> it. Anyway, this is from Emily. She says, uh, hey, Tofop. Over the pandemic, I developed a really nasty alcohol problem, during which I wrote you twice over the last six months while I was pretty blasted. I would wake up the next day praying to God you never read them out on an episode. And thank God you haven't. Whether the reason behind that either being you're too far behind (laughs) or that I was just a drunk fuck and the content was not fun in any way, shape or form. Anyway, three weeks ago, I quit drinking in order to better myself and to be more rested and feel- and healthy feeling. The joke's on me. Turns out when you rely on alcohol to feel normal and sleep at night for that many months, when you quit, you can't fucking sleep and you feel like shit in the morning. I've turned to melatonin and Benadryl to attempt to sleep better at night. The results are crazy dreams. And Charlie, I had a Benadryl-fueled dream about you. From what I gather, in real life, you're a pretty fit and attractive individual. However, in my medicated dream, I was at a party where I saw someone resembling Tom Cruise's character in Tropic Thunder with a comb over (laughs) and a beer belly. But I just knew it was you. You told me to please move out of your way because you're more important than me. To which I replied, okay, but I love Tofop. You then invited me to ride in your personal chauffeured vehicle to go to a local fair and ride a carousel on your dime and also asked that I show you pictures of my kids and my pets. I don't remember how the rest of the night continued because I must have slipped into a legit sleep by then. But I woke up the next morning laughing my ass off. Love you guys and I love TOFOP and I'm still pursuing sobriety despite this nightmare. Please don't show up in my dreams anymore. Okay, deal. And congratulations, Emily. It's fucking a hard thing to do. But stick with it; it's worthwhile. I yeah, I must say, like, because I have
0: accidentally, you know, stopped drinking. Basically, is what's happened. I think I've had like three drinks or four drinks in the last nine months. Like, um, I just like stopped for a bit and then enjoyed how I was feeling, not drinking. It's, it's actually, it's one of those things where I, like, I don't even, I was doing a show the other night. I actually got to do a show in Karumba thanks to everybody uh, who made it out. And it was one of those things where I got to the gig where I was like, oh, this is great. I just did the gig. I got back in my car. I drove home. I felt fine. You know, <laughs> like, I was like, this is actually,
1: I've wasted a lot of my life. <laughs> uh, Will, this is from Will. Uh Two Colin FOP. I just wanted to pass on a note of thanks. As an Australian working overseas, I have recently experienced firsthand the impact of Australia's low vaccination rates. My mum just passed away while I've been locked out of Australia. Thanks, ScoMo. Not being able to see my family and being isolated overseas, I've been very grateful to keep my mind occupied with your ramblings. Listening to the best of recap about the biggest horse in Norway, I found myself for the first time in a while not being preoccupied about mum or being away. So thank you for that. It has made a Patreon subscriber out of me. Keep up the good work. And to all the listeners in Australia, get vaccinated and stay safe during lockdown. Here, uh, here, uh, That's good news, man. I'm glad we could, um, we could help. I was actually yeah. been thinking. I'm about-
0: very sorry to hear about your loss. It's like incredibly difficult time to, to lose someone and, you know, not being able to be around your friends and family and all those sort of things to celebrate somebody's life is incredibly difficult.
1: I've been actually thinking a lot, you know, because this this lockdown, half the country's locked down and I know this is just a stupid podcast and, you know, it, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but if it does make some people happy, I've been trying to think of things that, you know, maybe I can do uh, to kind of help people out during lockdown and I was thinking of maybe doing like, uh, uh, like an Instagram Q&A with listeners where they could just jump on and ask questions or a live stream on Patreon or something like that, so... Um, when you hear this episode, if there's something that you think would help you through this lockdown, if there's something you'd like me to do, like Will's schedule is a bit crazy at the moment because of the TV show and everything like that, but I have free time. So if there's something tofu related where, you know, you want some extra content, if it would help pass the time, I'm totally open to doing like a, a QA and a session or a live stream or, or whatever it is. So um, maybe I'll put some options uh, on Twitter and uh, we'll run a poll and if there's something out there that you guys want that you think will sort of help over the next few weeks then uh, um, I'm up for it it's a good idea I think you should do that okay well that is the end of the letters we're back I hope it was worth the wait uh, you probably learnt more about horses than you ever expected to, <laughs> to oh, certainly so
0: I did you know what like I felt like I learnt something and really I enjoyed. will go to bed tonight and dream of the Animal Olympics <laughs> <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson Oh, Will Will Anderson